Welcome to the Raising Athletes podcast. My name is Kirsten Jones. I'm a peak performance and sports parenting coach and the author of a newly released book, Raising Empowered Athletes, out this week, everywhere books are sold. Uh, but what I've been doing for about four and a half years is this Raising Athletes podcast, which is interviewing coaches and athletes and parents and learning about what does it take for us to raise not only strong athletes, but extraordinary people. And today's guest is, is a wonderful uh, treat for me because it takes me back to my roots, which is where I played at the College of William & Mary, or I guess now we say William & Mary. I'd like to, to welcome the new women's volleyball coach, Ryan Adams. Thanks so much for having me. So fun to do this. I understand you're a newbie at podcasting, so we're going to have some fun. <laughs> <laughs> first time for everything, right? Right. That's good. And speaking of first times, you know, I'm thinking about what I was going to chat with you today. And I personally, I've lived, I don't know, something crazy, like 10 different places in 15 different houses and different countries. And I think part of the flavor of life is experiencing new things. And so I know the William & Mary uh, community is so excited to have you here, bringing your expertise. Um, but can you talk about from your perspective, how did you approach um, maybe maybe even start with why. Why William and Mary? I know you were here for a short stint a couple of years ago, but why did you want to come back? Yeah, no, I think that's a great question. I was fortunate enough to work here about six years ago and through my journey, like my goal has always been to leave places better than how I found it. Um, and I didn't really have that opportunity because I was only here for a super short stint of time and it wasn't anything related to the program or the women on the team. It just wasn't the right fit at the right time. Uh, but I've always held a special place in my heart for William and Mary. So I, that's solely why. And then getting on campus, seeing like what they're doing and what they're striving to be. It was super exciting that they wanted me to be a part of it. What do you think is different about William and Mary? What, or, or, you know, do you see you've been on several different campuses now as a coach? Uh, at different levels, what what do you what stands out to you? Goodness, I think the leadership uh, with Brian Mann taking over as athletic director, um, I think has been a huge up uplift for the community and not just the sports program specifically. But um, the bones are still the same, but they're they're throwing on some new paint and they're throwing some very, very cool things that I don't even know what all it's going to look like. So I think there is a new, new sense of pride around the school and it's just, it's exciting times. I grew up on the West Coast and so people would get excited when the new shopping mall went in. And so I remember getting to William and Mary and, you know, this building was built in 1693 and you're like, oh my gosh, there's tradition here. There's culture here. There, I, I always find when I tell people about it, because I think either you know about it or you've never heard of it kind of thing. Um, but when you tell, tell people about what makes it special, it's, there's something baked into the history and heritage and you know, not all of it positive, but all of it a, a growth opportunity. And I, that to me is kind of the culture that I felt at least, I mean, now it's been 30 years, but that that I, I experienced as as a student and hopefully you know now the, the current population experiences as well. Yeah, no, I'm also a West Coaster, so I didn't even <laughs> think things were this old to begin with until I got on this side of the country. And then like you said, some of the history is not the greatest, but we are embracing what our history is and um 
not afraid to shy away from it. So I think I think it's just exciting to be around something that's been around for such a long time and striving for greatness and change and just catching up with the times. So speaking of greatness, when I was privileged enough to be a part of the team, Debbie Hill was running the program and had a very long run of very successful years. And I know that's what Tim was working on and getting the program back to, and you're poised to do that. I think a lot of that, or I guess I don't want to put words in your mouth, but when I think of greatness, I think of culture and great leaders inspire others to be better. Could you talk about, you know, new being new and coming in? And so some of these pieces, I don't know, do you have any of the recruits or were you given was the team formed when you arrived or you have new players coming? No, the the team was formed like all all of the incoming class, which is now the first years were already signed committed. Um so there is a ton of talent within the program, but I don't think it's solely focusing on the end result. I think we're totally process over pride and we had a meeting towards the end of the spring where let's define what our new culture is like change is hard mm. and we're going to embrace change. And like the, the women on the team came up with the, the motto of we over me. So it's this overarching belief that we can't do it with one without the other. So we're all in. So we're leaning into that um, we over me concept. And it's been really cool to kind of develop that over time. And in my short time here, it just seems like we're excited that we all get to buy into this new change and new moving forward. And how does that show up? Like, can you give me examples of what is that? What does we over me look like on a day-to-day basis? Yeah. So we're doing something a little bit differently this year. We are getting rid of the concept of solely captains. So we're doing coin flip captains. So it's the the idea that every voice every voice on the team matters and nobody is bigger than one voice. So the captainship can be earned and we have like the standout things that they came up with during our meeting of culture. Um, and like this week is servant leadership. So anybody that embodies that, we're going to vote out on it at the end of the year. And those are going to be our coin flip captains. And I think it doesn't, Say you're a quiet leader or a silent type, it doesn't mean you can't be a leader within your own position group or within the team as a whole. So it's been pretty cool to embrace it, even with hesitancy of like, oh, we're changing it completely. But it's like, no, we all agreed that it's we over me. And this is part of that change. So that's kind of how we're. No, I was going to say that's kind of how we're embracing it every single day. And and it sounds like then it's baked into who we are, you, you, the coach aren't dictating how we're behaving, but rather they're owning it, right? It's coming from the bottom up. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we're, we're definitely striving for greatness, but we're not solely focused on that. And it's like, what type of person are you going to be day in and day out? And like our new thing that we're saying is trusting teams are the highest performing teams. So the baseline mm-hmm. of like, I need to trust the people around me. Like I trust my staff day in and day out. So I hope that the trickle-down effect is the women on the team trusting each other that not only are they going to do their own job, but don't aren't hesitant thinking that somebody's not going to do their job as well. I don't know if it still exists, but back when I was there, there's a ropes course back by Matoka. And before we'd even get on the court, Debbie would take us out there and we would do the, the trust fall and all of those other things, right? Because so much of it is built off the court 
rather than on the court, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I do believe the ropes course still exists. I have not seen anybody on it ever, but I mean, Lake Watoka is beautiful, but I have not seen people using the ropes course, but um, we are trying to embrace who we are as a whole community. And like over the past five days, starting day one, we went through a whole like growth mindset video series of like training ugly and why we do the things that we do and train the way that we do. And it started with becoming a jungle tiger and like what that means is trying to be not so baked into what you're comfortable like getting out of that zoo tiger mentality and being a jungle tiger and why we play more volleyball than just super super block type of practices and we put the science behind like what learning looks like and you got to fail a heck of a lot of times before you get good at stuff and like our our joke is nobody was born with the volleyball gene so we are all trying to just get a little bit better every single day so yeah i like that saying play practicing ugly so say more about practicing ugly what does that look like yeah so it's it's tough when we are all perfectionists in a <laughs> sport that's imperfect so like we actually embrace like errors if you will like we're not trying to make an error but we understand that nobody has ever had a perfect game of volleyball so we understand that errors are part of how we're going to get better, not only individually, but as a, as a team in a program. I love that. Uh, yeah. So speaking of leadership and how do you, how do you, how do you define it? Um, or I guess maybe it's how your team has defined it, right? What speak, speak about leadership in general. Yeah. I think our overarching like goal with leadership is like, good people make great volleyball players and like, you don't have to have a title to be a leader. So it's been really cool. The, the kind of progression from day one, when I started, it was two people that spoke when it's like, Hey, how'd that just go? And now it's everyone doesn't matter class rank or bottom of the list to top of the list. It's everybody has a true voice because we could come in as in a huddle and me as the coach could tell you everything I think, but I'm not the one playing. So we call it kind of a guided road to discovery. Like my goal as a coach and as a leader of this program is to help guide everybody on the team in the right direction or the direction that we want to go in as a program. Who are your biggest influencers? Like it sounds like you really uh, research and and follow and search out leadership, you know, knowledge. So who who do you look to, or who have been your mentors uh, to get you on this journey to to leadership? Gosh, the, the list is forever growing, but I think um, my first assistant job where I was actually paid, it wasn't that much money, but I was actually paid, um, and his name's Doug English. He's the head coach at Northwest Nazarene University, like 20 minutes outside of Boise, Idaho, but I've stolen a lot of his great ideas. And then spinning off of that, um, he's now currently the head coach at Grinnell College in Iowa. His name's Eric Reagan. Um, and he turned me on to the whole train ugly thought process. Um, and his brother is actually the creator of the learner lab and Trevor Reagan. So the video series was the learner labs, like byproduct is what we kind of followed. So those are probably my top three, but the list is well beyond that. Are you a reader or a podcaster or where do you sponge inspiration for when you're drawing up your lessons plans, where do you get your coaching plans? Where do you get strategy and ideas from? Um, I have read a ton. 
Uh, I wouldn't say I love reading, but I think it's necessary to continue to kind of build ideas. Uh, I think the main thing I do is podcast and try to learn from learners because like our ultimate goal and my ultimate goal is just become a better learner. And it's not become the best coach I can ever be, but it's to learn something. And like, we should be learning something new every single day. So I kind of lean into that. I'm trying to get back into reading. Um, I think my current book is Ego is the Enemy. So we oh, are yeah. probably, yeah, we're probably in the way of our, our own success more often than not. And then my last two audio books I've listened to was The Infinite Game by Simon Sinek. Is that one too? Uh, yeah. I, I do not have that one, but I think I have, yeah. I think the, the ego is the enemy is his book and, yep. uh, atomic habits has been the, the last one that I've <laughs> kind of listened to all good stuff. And like taking little snippets from each and every one of it. And it's like, what we're leaning into right now is the concept of starting small and like, yes, we want to attain all of these great things, but it starts from like. What are we doing every single day? Are we taking care of our bodies? If we want to be more organized, are we waking up at a reasonable hour and making our bed? So we're starting off on the right foot. So trying to start small and not, not make tasks bigger than what they are. I love James Clear's uh, example of the one guy that wanted to lose a hundred pounds. And so he started by every day, just putting on his shoes and his workout clothes and going to the gym and walking around for 15 minutes and going home. And you think that's stupid. Like, why would you do that? If you drove all the way there, why wouldn't you work out? Because you have to train your brain to say, I am the type of person who works out. And once you do that for a month, then you start working out for 15 minutes. But to your point, it's that incremental progression, not trying to eat the elephant all in one bite, but rather believing as if uh, we are the type of team that shows up for the 6 a.m. workout at 5.45 with our shoes on, ready to go before the coach even shows up. Not because the coach says we need to be there, but because we want to be ready and we are, we are, you know, like that intrinsically motivated. I'm sure your team, I mean, that's what William & Mary is, but you're finding, are they hungry and curious the way you are around learning and around adopting new habits? Yeah, I think uh, that... Five day video series was huge in terms of the the side conversations that it sparked of all right, we're all really smart because we've got into William and Mary, but how can we be perfect in an imperfect game? So it's like, yes, they're hungry to be perfect, understanding that they're never going to achieve it, but they can be really, really good. So like we're striving to be consistently good over occasionally great. And it starts with just like, all right, I made an error. It's not getting down on myself, but it's understanding how or why I made that error. And like, we do a lot of game type training within our day to day. And like, we want to train good volleyball players, well-rounded, not just a good middle that only does this one skill, but I feel, and we're in such a unique sport where like, you have to do all, all of the skills all of the time. And like, our thing is like, what is the most important skill of volleyball? And ours is reading. No matter what it is, you use your eyes to assess, analyze, and determine what you're going to do. So we try to lean very far into training our eyes and our habits so we're not just a single one-trick pony. So true. Um, so knowing that you're new and knowing that there's going to be a lot of 
I would assume hills along the way, dips and valleys. Like what keeps you up at night? What are the big, what can you anticipate? Or is it, you just look at it a week at a time. You said you just finished week one. Are you just chunking away at this or how do you look at the, at the journey through the season? Um, that is a great question. I think <laughs> what I've been telling the overthinkers on the team, which is pretty much everybody being it's William and Mary and they're looking five <laughs> days ahead, um, are saying is be where your feet are. And I, I mm-hmm. would love to stay up at night crunching stats and all of that stuff, but I just want to lean into the team understanding that let's just appreciate the opportunity that we have here right now to get better and whatever your better is today, let's focus on that instead of like, all right, we have a game in three weeks. What are we doing right now? It's like, no, how are we trying to get better today? So we're better that today than we were yesterday. Do you have any sense of, um, is there a, uh, to the point of being where your feet are kind of comes back to, meditation and mindfulness or like letting go of things you can't control do our girls using those kind of tools to help themselves both off the court and on the court yeah i i can't speak too much of the off the court we're just trying to arm them with the tools so it's like what we can control is our attitude and our effort so how we show Mm -hmm. up to the gym every single day is what we can truly control Like, yeah, we can make the best game plan in the world as coaches, but that's a tool to help us get the result. But it's not the study guide to ensure that we're going to get the result that we want. So I think it's just kind of packaging it all together and embracing, like, we might not be in charge of the the result every single time, but we can prepare ourselves with the tools that we know how to navigate when things are tough. Yeah, I like to say progress over perfection, right? And we have this culture of, I need to do it perfectly. No, you don't. And every day is a new opportunity. I just had Carrie Walsh on the podcast last week, and I loved her insight, which she talked about weakness equals opportunity. And she said, when I, it took me later in my career to realize that. And she said, every time I realize, and she goes, and now that's how I parent. It's like, oh, what didn't go well? Oh, sweet. We have something we can work on. And that's like a celebration. It's not a, you know, and I think, feel like our kids have been parented so much around the don't make a mistake and you got to be perfect because you got to get good grades because you got, you know, they're, they've been trained and drilled on that so young that we're creating these kids that are, they're really good executors, but they don't intuit like how they feel about it because they can't. They don't, they're driving. I like to say driving with your parking brake on, like you're just like, you know, you're just trying to get through it. Like you're gritting your teeth to get through it versus, you know, you got to get into flow, right? If you're not going to play from a place of flow, it's never going to happen. Yeah. And that goes back into like the reading concept. Yeah. We can tell you to stand right here and 60% (laughs) of the balls are going to land here. What about the other 40%? What are you going to do in order to get that ball? I'm going to read and analyze. So you have to do it all of the time. So it's kind of like you have to read situations in life, not just volleyball. So hopefully the women on the team and myself included and my staff are taking those and not just saying they're volleyball skills. Like we could cross cross contaminate skills with volleyball and with life. Yes. So I know you're just getting going and you haven't even played a match, but just I know a lot of people that listen to this podcast are 
hoping their children get to play at the next level or are curious about that. So I always love to ask a few questions around recruiting. And just so they find it fascinating, right, to hear it's almost like the Wizard of Oz and you want to know what's happening behind the curtain. And you go into these gyms with, you know, I saw you in Chicago at JOs with 10,000 athletes and see all these coaches walking around and all these parents like, what's going through their head? What are they looking for? And when I hear the parents, they're like, well, we lost that match and it's horrible and she's definitely off the list. And I find there's a huge chasm between what probably a coach is actually looking for and what a parent is assuming are what the criteria are. So could you speak in a high level about how you look at recruiting process? Let's just say, you know, what are you, you're going to, you're starting with your right now, 20, Sevens or where are we now? 25s. 25s, 25s. Yeah. So we're getting 25s going. They just, June 15th, you were allowed to start chatting with them. So maybe if you could just talk about your recruiting philosophy a little bit would be great. Yeah. I I mean, it goes back to the philosophy that overarching of like good people make great volleyball players. And like, we're all as coaches trying to predict how great somebody can be when they're playing at the club level and how it's going to transfer and like my best player I've ever coached played one year of club but she had an electric arm and played on a lower club team but it didn't hinder her from chasing that goal and aspiration of being lights out at the next level so it's not necessarily like oh I I play on the top team talent is talent whether you're playing on the top team or the bottom team so It's not always like, man, I didn't make that top team. Even if I don't believe in this other club, I'm just going to go there because I'm going to play at the top team. But I think there's something to be said about the clubs that go to a lot of the bigger tournaments because it's just more exposure. So the more eyes you can get on you is like, it's like the baseline that you want to have, but it's not necessarily like we lost that game. I Mm -hmm. like to think that how you respond between a win and a loss should be a learning opportunity. It's not like we lost and we are terrible and we lost to recruiting. We, As college coaches, we truly don't care about, oh, they won that game. Oh, are you competing at the best level you can? Are you conscious and aware of what's going on with yourself and the people around you? One, are you a good teammate? Because I would rather surround myself and my team with a lot of good people and let it ride than chase the one good outside that is a horrible teammate because that's going to implode whatever culture we're trying to create so like yeah you have to screen for that i mean obviously you're going to watch her but you know most people are on their best behavior or mostly on best behavior at a tournament so how do you screen for for those intangibles when you're when you're recruiting yeah i think it's probably the hardest part to figure out and i don't think i think it's kind of different per player because everybody is a salesman you're selling yourself on us that you're the best player to come here and we're selling you on this idea that william and mary is the best school for you but i i think when it fits we kind of know so i i love to think that connections matter and people matter so i have when women come on visits they spend more time with the women on the team rather than myself because i want to make sure that do they fit into the culture that we're creating? Are they going to be a good teammate? Because that's the baseline of whatever we need. 
Um, so it's very, very hard to screen for, but I like to take my time through the process instead of like, oh, who else is recruiting you? Oh, they are? I'm gonna, here's your offer. It's less about that, more about the feeling of, yeah, I think you're, you belong here and we want to be around you more often than not. And could you talk about just from a stat standpoint, again, parents who haven't been through the process, like, do you start with a hundred girls and you narrow it down? You know, if you're going to need five positions for your 25s, how does, what does the board look like to start and what does the whittling process look like? Yeah, the board, given that this is the biggest staff I've ever had, the board is a lot more extensive than staff of two, but um, the board is never whittled down, like set in stone. If, if there's good talent out there and they're interested in us and we're interested in it, them, we'll add them to the board. So it could be as massive as a, a hundred, or it could be as narrow as top 10, top five, once we're getting later in the process. But I don't, I think it's pretty fluid. Yeah, I hear parents a lot say, well, they've never reached out to us, so it's not an option. And I always encourage people, email them and let them know that you're out there, send tape, right? What would, how, what would advice would you have for athletes who, you know, gosh, I would love to play at a, a high caliber, high academic school like William & Mary. Yeah, I think it's just like applying for jobs, right? Oh, I would have been so great for that job, but I didn't apply. You wouldn't use that thought process when you're emailing, well, when you're applying for jobs. So why would you use that when you're trying to be recruited by school X, Y, and Z? Your job is to throw it out there and see who bites. And we do the same on our end of finding top talent. Maybe they've never reached out to us. That doesn't mean they're not interested. They might not know we exist. And then the meeting of the two parties starts the conversation. So I don't think it's so narrow that it's like, these are my top five schools. I email them all the time. I've never heard back. I'm never getting recruited. I think it's casting a wide net so they know you exist because we log you. We try to see you when we're at the same tournaments, but if you never reach out, you'll never know. Amen. You know, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Right. So. Absolutely. Um, and do you have any fun anecdotal stories of that either affected you or somebody else you know of a kid who wasn't being recruited but landed somewhere based on their resilience and their willingness to figure it out? Yeah, I mean, my recruiting journey, I played one year of club and it's back when we would make the VHS tape and cut it up and put it all out on a VHS <laughs> tape and I mailed it out to a bunch of schools and then that one year of club, all of the schools I reached out to didn't, well, it, it was sending us letters in the mail, but they didn't reach out to me. But there was a ton more schools that, oh, I didn't even know they existed, didn't know they had men's volleyball. And I ended up going to Cal State Northridge, which I never knew my aunt went there. And the connections just happened to be there once they showed interest in me. So that was probably like, I didn't even think I was going to play volleyball in college. And then it's like, oh, UCLA, USC, like, oh, this is amazing, but I don't, I don't want any, anything these schools have to offer. So I think I found the right fit for who I am as a person. I'm a VHS tape era girl too. So I remember those days very well. I'm sending mine to Debbie Hill and her leaving me a voicemail on my answering machine. That's how old I am saying, I'm Debbie Hill from the William Mary Bible. I know exactly who you are and you need to come here. And I thought, 
where where is this oh wait yes yes i want to do that so much fun um okay so to wrap it all up and we, we've talked about leadership and culture and developing that you know what does success look like for you if we were talking in maybe mid-december you've gone deep through november let's say right and you've made it through maybe you've even made it to the playoffs of the CAAs, well, how do you evaluate success? Yeah, I, I think it's a tough one to evaluate because we all want to win. That's that's just a byproduct of the hard work and dedication we put in day in and day out. I think there are small successes through a long season, um, and those are gauged by how we're we're feeling as a program instead of just the the end result. So I wish I had the best answer for, all right, well, if we won the CAA, that'd be amazing. But I think it's, are we more competitive now than we have been in the future? And if we're not winning matches or taking sets, what are we doing in order to get one step closer to that? So I think we could do like a post-mortem after it's all said and done to be like, yeah, we made strides, strides in these categories. I think we're lacking in these. Where can we continue to add pieces that fit and help us get one step closer. Do you set big audacious goals as a team? Like, do you have those kind of goals or do you do more individual goal setting or how does that look? I think goals are essentially made up and nothing happens when you do or don't hit them. Um, so our goal is to just get better and okay. to lean in on whatever culture we're creating and make sure it's an inviting and welcoming one that is built around trust and love and respect. So. We do have a pyramid of success and at the top is something really, really spectacular, but we can't get there without taking care of the small things every single day. And the daily habits. So hopefully William and Mary will share this video. And so will you're, if you had a chance, the mic to speak to all the William and Mary alum and the current players and parents, what, what would you like to share with them about, you know, what's, gonna, what's going forward and, and where you are right now? Um, I just want to say thank you to all the supporters. It's been like welcoming with open arms. And I think they're going to do some pretty cool stuff, not only for the volleyball program, but the athletics department as a whole. Like we haven't even practiced in Kaplan Arena. And our first practice should be the 15th of September. Our first game is the 16th. So we're hoping everything gets done, but it should be special. And it's going to look a lot different from when you were here to what it is going to be now. And I've seen the renderings. I, I'm excited for just the future, but thank you for all the supporters. Yeah, and I'm excited to be there. So I'll be there for homecoming, the 19th through the 21st. For the first time in 10 years, the volleyball team will play at home that weekend, back to back, <laughs> Thursday and Friday. There's been a nice crew that's been working behind the scenes, getting some, um, you know, special things planned. So any alum listening to this, you should come, you should celebrate with us. I might even talk about this book a little bit and um, hopefully get to meet your team in person and, and see you in action. And we can't wait to celebrate you. Yeah, I can't wait either. Um, we're hungry to play somebody other than ourselves, but we're, <laughs> we're taking it one day at a time. Okay. So one last question, which we ask all of our guests uh, and you can answer it any way you want and as many sentences as you want. But how would you finish this sentence? The best athletes I know do this. Take care of themselves. Ooh. 
both mentally and physically, like our, our minds are learning machines. And if you don't take care of that first, the body won't keep up. So I think it's just taking care of yourself. That's and so right now more than ever, right? Having come out of COVID and what these kids have gone through, how do you do that? How do you in in encourage everyone to do their own? Do you do mental health days or what is that? What will that look like? Do you know yet? Uh, we present them with all the resources that they have available to them on campus, and then we take some time and and knowing and understanding what it looks like to go through a learning cycle. So it's like, at first you have belief and then you take action and then like you get the end result, but without the belief, you'll never take the action, which will hinder you from making those strides to like fulfill that self-fulfilling prophecy. So it's, you got to believe that you can achieve literally anything. And like our minds are incredible. We could get better at something today if we really, really want to. And then if you have that ecosystem of positivity, right? Success leaves clues and one plus one is three. And if we're all pulling on the rope together, when I'm having an off day, she's not, and we're all helping each other out. Like that's, yeah, that's how, how you see it grow, growing over time. So that's super exciting. Well, I can't wait to come watch you play. I'm going to be following the journey. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with, uh, with us today. And I'm excited to push it out and parents and athletes who are listening, go on and follow them. If you're interested in following, finding out more about William and Mary, reach out to Coach Adams. I'm sure he would respond to your email, right? Absolutely. <laughs> so please like, share, comment. We love having new guests on. Let us know who's out there. And uh, yeah, buy a copy of the book and, and we'll see you soon. Hopefully, um, well, I'll see you in, in October. Yeah, thank you. And go Tribe. <laughs> go Tribe.